Hey, 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 guys, my name is Paula Sun, but you can call me the Change Navigator. I mean, that's why you clicked on the podcast, because of the name, right? All right, cool. I want to begin by saying welcome to my new listeners and welcome back to the Faithful Navigators. We are here in season three and all season long, we are talking about the pivot. And before we go any further, let me put in this little shameless plug. I have a new ebook that is available on Amazon Kimball. Kindle, the name of the book is called Pivot, Eight Keys to Reinventing Your Now. So go head on over to Amazon Kindle and pick that up. And I promise you, it will help you out tremendously. Well, today we have a very, very special guest. I've been trying to get this lady on my podcast for a while. She's such a busy lady. So, you know, I I was patient and understanding and, you know, you know, I had to go with her schedule and that's fine with me because I'm super flexible. But I am so happy to have Edwina Brown as a guest on my podcast today. Let me tell you all a little bit about her. Her, First of all, her bio is extensive. It is very impressive. And I actually know the person that this bio is about. So I'm going to read it and uh, then we'll get her to talking. So Edwina is a native of Lockhart, Texas, which is a small town outside of Austin. She played multiple sports all through high school, but began to gravitate towards basketball and went on to receive an athletic scholarship to the University of Texas at Austin. By her junior year, she had earned the title of All-American and by her senior year, she was tapped as the best female basketball player in the country and presented the Margaret Wade Trophy, the Heisman Trophy of women's basketball. She currently holds several records at UT and remains the only player in school history to lead her team in points, rebounds, assists, and steals in the same year, which is a feat she did twice her junior and senior year. So guess what? Of course, her professional career included the WNBA. She was, in 2000, she was drafted third overall by the Detroit Shock. Um, She spent time playing for the Phoenix Mercury and the Houston Comets. Her career did not stop there, but she went on to play international, playing in Austria, Lebanon, Israel, France, and Spain. She decided to hang up her shoes after an 11-year professional basketball career, and then she pivoted into coaching, all right? So she started her coaching career at her alma mater, and then she was fortunate to land a job um, on staff of Hall of Famer Gail Gostencores, then the head coach at UT. She's also coached at New Mexico, TCU, and SMU. She was known for being one of the best recruiters in the country, Um, but she made an abrupt departure in 2017 and decided to step away from the game to concentrate on family and to seek other business opportunities. And guess what? She did another pivot. Of course she did, right? So she has her own apparel company, which focuses on inspiration and empowerment through scriptural slogans. Um, There are currently uh, five merchandise collections that can all be found on her website at edwinabrown.com. But guess what? She did another pivot, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. And that's why I have her on here. She did another pivot. So now she is the co-owner of Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge located in the DFW area. It has been open since 2018. Her lounge has been featured in Cigar Aficionado and Premier Cigar Association magazines, highlighting various fast climbing lounges across the country. Okay, I'm gonna stop here because 
this is pretty awesome guys and so i i read all of that right so let me let her tell you all a little bit of something about herself that maybe i didn't mention oh wow uh that's me <laughs> sometimes i was like that is actually me um i guess something that you know i i don't really put in in my bio you know just i think in order to understand where we are now uh and even where we're going you have to know where you came from and i think that that's what has kept me grounded um through all of these the navigation right the pivots in life uh i'm a small town girl as you mentioned from lockhart known as the barbecue capital of texas oh. and you know i i come from humble beginnings humble beginnings single parent household um my grandmother picked up the slack of a absentee father and you know it it was i think that that's really what created um just the resilience just the resilience to to have to make all of these changes to to make all of these turns mm-hmm. uh and i think that that upbringing is what set me up for success i didn't know it would be necessary i think at that time uh you know we're like why do we have to struggle why don't i have food in the refrigerator you know why why does this kid have these shoes and this car and all of these things and uh i didn't grow up that way mm-hmm. i grew up watching others um i grew up being uh not really the outsider i think sport really brought me in to be like the popular kid just because i was talented or good or gifted at a particular sport but uh i was that kid that struggled i was that 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 kid that struggled so i think that those humble beginnings uh when you talked about something that's not in my bio mm-hmm. is you know you might see all it is so oh, this this and she does this oh and by the way this but uh no it's been a rough it's been a rough journey I like that humble beginnings and I'm sure that is a story more common than we think it is because you know social media has caused us to focus on all the good. It has caused us, you know, to put our best pictures up, our best accomplishments up, but those humble beginnings I believe um contribute to how we go after the success that we have achieved now. Right. So, I want you to tell us a little bit about your professional career and your background. Okay. Uh speaking basketball wise or uh we can we can go with basketball and then to your business side. Okay. Okay. So, uh you know, had opportunity to play professionally and I don't want to just brush it under the rug uh but just kind of give an explanation and an understanding like painting a picture at that time I went to college 962000 right the WNBA was formed in 97 right so whenever I was able to be awarded a college scholarship at that time it was just hey this is a blessing because it takes pressure off of family to where you don't have to pay for school, a higher education, but yet you can earn a degree. Mhm. So for me, that was big because there was no one in my family, I didn't have an example. There was no one in my family that went to college and graduated. Mhm. Right? I had a couple, my sister started and then she was unable after second or third year to pay for school. then she started um you know 9 to 5 corporate america I think i had a distant uncle same thing so i didn't really have that example um of what this is a degree and this is how a degree can set you apart 
Mm -hmm. Right. So it was something that uh, I wanted to obtain. I wanted to be the first, uh, you know, and then play sport at the same time. Um, So going to the University of Texas, sophomore year, WBA, all of a sudden it's like, ooh, 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 now we have a chance to where we can play, continue playing basketball Mm -hmm. in in our country, Mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of the older players at the time, they went abroad because that's all that we had. Right. So, you know, I freshman year, I was average at best. <laughs> average at best. Okay. So WBA comes about and it's like, okay, that's a pipe dream. That is a pipe dream. You know, never ever. Sophomore year comes around, I get better. Junior year, I get better. Senior year becomes a real reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having the opportunity um, to be drafted. Uh, in my draft year, there was a league before uh, the WBA called the ABL. Okay. And yeah, so there was an ABL league, um, which came about before the WBA. And there was maybe, I want to say 10 teams or so, or something like that. Um, and so my draft year was the last of those ABL players that were being drafted as well. So mm-hmm. the, the drafts like in 97, 98, 99 were a lot of ABL players and a lot of players that were overseas. Gotcha. And then I come along and our, our my draft year was the last year of the ABL players. So they chose two players. Um, number one and number two pick were ABL players. Uh, well, let me back up. One was a foreigner from Czechoslovakia or something. The second was ABL player. And then I was the first college player. Oh. Uh, so third pick. So yeah, yeah, that's a uh, little known fact. So you went from being <laughs> but, uh, average. No, that, that seems like a <laughs> You went from being average as a freshman to being the number one college player drafted in the WNBA. You're, you're so humble. You just make it seem like, yeah, this. That's no, no, because it's just like that's a that's a real true story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's real, and I if I could put numbers on it, my freshman year I averaged six points. Mm. And I started half of the games. We played 30 games. I started 15. And I'm talking about it might be you don't start for three, then you start for three. So it was real up and down. Mm-hmm. And I was known as the defensive player. I went in, you know, my my job was to guard the best player on the other team, granted if they were a guard. Um, and that was really my role. So I went from what you call a role player, uh, maybe even like a, a utility player, something that somebody that specializes in something, which mine was defense, mm-hmm. to being very versatile. <laughs> <laughs> and when I tell you that each year, it was like, I mean, I grew, like, I'm not talking about height. Mm-hmm. My game grew and developed. Um, so, you know, a lot of those things, that transition from year to year to year and the growth are the same things that I feel like I'm going through as an entrepreneur, right? The parallels are almost identical. It's almost identical uh, being, you know, entrepreneur and a professional, you know, in my career and having to understand, hey, year one, I'm not gonna see the success that I would like to see. But if I make those short-term goals, for this particular year, let's break that thing down. Just the same thing as you have when you're playing sport. Let's shoot 500 shots or make 500 shots this day, 500. And that stuff compounds. So that when you get in the game, it's natural, it's normal. So same thing here, same thing here. Coming in out of two years, going into year three, 
um, with the cigar lounge and same actually with the apparel uh, launched pretty much at the same time. So there's a lot of parallels to it. Okay. So um, in this, you just told us your pivot from basketball to being a, a business owner. Um, tell us a little bit about being a co-owner of a cigar lounge, a woman's voice and your position in this business. That question is so loaded. It's loaded, it's layered. It's a very good question. Uh, and it's a real thing. Um, I am a female in a male dominated industry. Mm -hmm. I was a female athlete in a male dominated sport. Mm -hmm. Parallel. Right. Right. So some of the things that I learned in sport, I use for this. Okay. And I'm not uncomfortable, right? A lot of people would see that and be like, ooh, how do you do that? Well, the same way I've done everything. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this all my life. You know, I, I've, I've been doing this all my life. I've been seeing this resistance, right? You walk in, someone walks in, a customer walks in, they start talking cigars and they're like, oh, uh, so who owns the place? <laughs> or where, where is boss man? Or, mm -hmm. um, is the, is, is the owner in today? Is he in today? Just automatic reaction is he. Right. Right? It's male. Mm -hmm. And so me, being who I am, I'd be like, oh, no. No he. <laughs> There's not a he. <laughs> you know, not him. Right. I, well, I mean, you actually talking talking to her. Mm -hmm. um, so you get a little bit of resistance. You get a little bit of resistance in that. Um, some men don't feel like, as a female, I should know what I'm talking about when it comes to cigars. Okay. Um, you know, if, if I'm in the room with other lounge owners um, and maybe there's a question that's posed, um, it's always directed towards the male, right? The female is to be seen and not to be heard, mm -hmm. quote unquote. I get that. Mm -hmm. I still get all of that. Uh -huh. Absolutely. I get that. So I think that sport um, has prepared me to handle such a task as this. Mm -hmm. And I see it as a challenge, right? I'm an athlete by heart mm -hmm. and I need a challenge. Mm -hmm. I thrive on a challenge. Um, and if I don't have a challenge, then things seem redundant, right? Mm -hmm. Then I start to get bored mm -hmm. and that's when you lose me. Um, so it's, for me, it's an everyday challenge alongside of just building your own company. That's a challenge in itself. Mm -hmm. But that female tab, that's another hurdle. That's another hurdle. Wow. Um, yeah. So talking about being a female and a basketball player and some of our and you even being a coach, a top recruiter. And you know, some of our skills are transferable or like you say, parallel in uh, different industries. What skills have you been able to uh, to use from, um, from being a player or coach to being a cigar lounge owner? Hmm. I often tell people that running a cigar lounge uh, and, and probably any business, right? Any business where you actually have staff, um, where there are people that rely on you or answer to you. Um, it's much like head coaching. Okay. Right. It's much like 
you are a head coach of a team. Okay. Now, I was never a head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, uh, you know, high titled positions and being a recruiting coordinator, which means my responsibility is to make sure the entire staff is on the same page. I would tell them who to call, when to call, who to email, what to write, you know. So this is much like head coaching where you have your staff and you have support staff. Um, it's, it's much the same. So in the Cigar Lounge, I have staff. Number one, I have a partner, right? So he and I, if you're looking at a hierarchy, if you want to do that, um, would be same level, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, my partner is not a cigar guy, right? He, he's more, um, the thing that he brings to the table and his, his supercharged assets are business, okay? right? The, the business side of it. Uh, not that I am lacking in that, but these are his responsibilities. Okay. Right? Which allows me to free up some time so I don't have to focus on that. Mm-hmm. So I also handle our staff. Okay. Right? So the communication, the schedule, the scheduling, the responsibilities, job description, that's the same as what a head coach does when they hire or interview. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Mm-hmm. You go in with your interview questions, you get a feel for um, you know, prospect, so to speak, and tell them about the job. This is what we could pay you. Same thing a head coach does. And if the numbers don't match, then guess what? I would love to hire you, but I can't afford to hire you. Mm-hmm. Same thing as what a head coach does. We want this guy or girl, but we need to find some money right before we can hire this coach. Mm-hmm. We need to find money investor before I can hire, bring another person on board or even open accounts to purchase these particular cigars. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And then you have, uh, let's say a calendar. Let's say as a, as a basketball coach team, you have your schedule, mm-hmm. right? So let's say you have these 30 games, you put them on, you know, the okay, this date works with this team. No, this date doesn't work. Let's change the date. It's the same thing with running events. When are we gonna bring this cigar cigar company in to do a cut and light? Will this particular young lady or man call they wanna do their birthday party on this date? It doesn't work. That does work. How about this date? Same thing. That's scheduling. Gotcha. Okay. Right? Right. Recruiting, recruiting, right? That's the life, that's the lifeblood of any sport is recruiting. Mm-hmm. And recruiting uh great athletes. Right. Okay. How do I recruit these patrons to come to my lounge versus a lounge that's three miles down the street? Mm-hmm. What am I doing differently at my lounge? What am I doing differently at this university mm-hmm. versus the university that's on the other side of town? Right? Makes sense. Parallel. Yes. Yes. Transfer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's, that's pretty good. So did you ever see yourself in this role? Was this something that you envisioned, you know, when you stepped away from coaching? How, how did this come about? <laughs> uh, no, never, never. Um, I started to get involved with cigars in 2017. Okay, so what happened was when I stepped away from coaching. Um, 
my goal or plan was to take a year, spend time with family, and do new things. Okay. Right? Get outside of my comfort zone. Right? The spend time with family thing is huge because um, a lot of people don't know when you're an athlete and I played, you know, into my 30s, that you're away from your family. Right, I might be in this country for eight months, this state for three and a half months, and then home for two weeks. Mm. I have been home for as little as four days, right, in between seasons. Mm -hmm. So I'm away from my family. And when I retired December of 2010, I jumped right into college coaching. I started January 2011 volunteering for the spring semester. And then right at the end of that, April, I would say, they offered me a position. And so I was right into college athletics. I started actually as a strength coach at the University of Texas. So I started work, work, which even though my, my career as a basketball player is work, but I started corporate America or college coaching um, immediately. Mm-hmm. So with coaching, you have no time. It's as if you're playing. Mm. Actually, you have less time because there is no downtime. Your downtime is the peak time for recruiting. Mm. right the downtime I'm calling out of season mm-hmm. right but then out of season is in season recruiting gotcha so that's a year round mm-hmm. right and so depending on where you know luckily um, I was able to land a job at my alma mater which TCU, I was away from family. Mm -hmm. So that's why family was first. It's like, I want to get, be able to spend time with them, do things, (laughs) take family vacation. Right. Uh, And then just have fun, enjoy life, try something new. I think I went somewhere every month. I went somewhere, whether home or I flew somewhere every month, just to do something uh, that I enjoyed, that I could look back on. And during that time, to get back to your uh, question, during that time, uh, I went to a cigar lounge. I met a friend that I played uh, pickup with back in college, and he was like, hey, what you doing? You know, come out, hang out type of thing. And I'm like, hey, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it, right? <laughs> let's try it. And so he invited me to a cigar lounge, and I walked in, and initially I was like, the smoke, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't so much, oh, I'm I'm choking sitting in here. I was thinking about my hair. <laughs> I was thinking about clothes. Right. right. This this is the female side of it. That that's mm-hmm. the hard part for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to the profession, but um, and then the next week he invited me again, and I kept finding myself going back, going back. And once I what I realized was uh, the camaraderie, uh, the conversation. Uh, you kind of felt like that was like a family. You started to have a network and a group of people that you hung out with every week, mm-hmm. you know, and then you started having different business conversations and that that just opened up my antennas, you know, all these different business conversations. So it started pulling me in and sure enough, there was a conversation that took place about, you know, helping someone um, that was struggling with mm-hmm. the cigar lounge. And there was an opportunity that um, I took. I jumped on it, and here I am. Awesome. That's that's pretty dope. Now, last year, 
um, beginning of the pandemic, what, March 2020, when they shut everything down, right? They shut the entire country down. And it presented so many challenges to business owners. And honestly, some did not survive the pandemic. Um, how did you pivot during that time? And what are some creative things you incorporated to keep your business going? Um, the pivot was definitely necessary, right? If, if you don't make the turn, then uh, essentially you die, which means your business folds. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we were actually closed for seven weeks, right? And for a new company that's inside of, you know, pretty much an infant, mm -hmm. we're younger than two years old, um, that was supposed to be death. <laughs> that for us mm -hmm. but I think that with some of the government funding um, that definitely assisted us to stay afloat mm -hmm. until we were able to to open the doors um, the creative thing was we had to um, rely on curbside mm -hmm. right so curbside um, which means we need we need a device, a processing system that can be, that we can transfer, that we can walk with. Okay. Right? So basically a handheld, as opposed to one that's on the counter. Mm -hmm. Right? So it taught us to go mobile. Gotcha. Right? It forced you into it. Like, think about this. Who knew about these Zooms before this? I mean, I didn't. <laughs> I've never done a Zoom before. Really? No, maybe WebEx or something, but Zoom, I'm talking about Zoom. Wow. Where does it come from? Like all of a sudden. So it it, it forced us to go mobile, which okay. is a good thing, right? It's a good thing in that in our old lounge and we are moving now, but in the old lounge, uh, our register and our humidor are about 20 steps away, which means there's a lot of foot traffic in between. So now when, during heavy days or events, we can have somebody at the register ringing somebody up and then somebody mobile inside the humidor ringing somebody up. Okay. Right? So it forced that. It also forced us to think about uh, an online platform, okay. right? E-commerce platform. Mm -hmm. That was maybe a three to five year plan goal, but it forced us to create that now. And especially during the move, this move, I'm, I'm thinking this is coronavirus pandemic 2021. Like it's tough because we're shut down. Oh, so this is something I never want to go through. Yeah, I never want to go through again mm -hmm. um, to have that downtime so that if we do have a downtime where we're making, uh, where we're growing and we're transitioning to a new location that's bigger, mm -hmm. um, if the transition is not seamless, then I still want to have that online platform um, that, that is being created right now. So I, I would say those are the, you know, the two things, uh, being able to be mobile on site mm -hmm. uh, and then also having this, this online platform. Okay. I, I see that you all added um, an event and it seems to be like it's pretty popular. Um, Tuesday nights, you all added karaoke. How has that been going? <laughs> so karaoke Tuesday is a thing. Okay. Who would have thought karaoke on a Tuesday would be a thing? Mm -hmm. So what happened was how it came about, uh, Tuesdays were our lowest revenue nights. Okay. Or days. Okay. 
for some reason Tuesday and I now know um, I tried to go to another cigar lounge this Tuesday up north and they're actually closed on Tuesdays oh. so it, it must be a thing right it must be a thing um, about Tuesday so I'm like okay what are we gonna do so I talked to Jacoby who's my partner I said look Tuesdays are killing us right because we have our daily goals I'm, I'm athlete right there's daily goals and we might slip one day but then we make it up another day I'm looking at numbers but over a 30 day period this is what it is so when I started looking at with our processing system you can actually see your Mondays what they look like the trends mm -hmm. right and so I'm analytical uh, geekish you know and I'm looking at these days and I'm like Tuesdays are killing us mm -hmm. and so with Jacoby he kind of has um a musical or um, he's in entertainment okay. um, in terms of he does these DJing gigs different places where he DJs you know parties he also does karaoke at different places so he goes he says what about karaoke right because that's what he does mm -hmm. and so I was like yeah I don't know I don't know how that mixes with cigars you know I, I don't know if it would and so it just so happened that Last year, once we were able to get out, I was coaching the AAU team, and so our practices were Tuesday, Thursday, so he would have to work. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, oh, I'm just gonna pull it out one day and try it. So he was there on the Tuesday, and he pulled it out. I get back to my phone, and he was like, they like it, <laughs> right? So I passed through that after I was done, and people were there. The next Tuesday, I passed through more people. The next Tuesday, I'm like, whoa, this is a thing now. And it just started out, hey, let's just try it. Let, let me start playing music. Let me bring out my karaoke machine. Let's see. And then word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And so because it was COVID, we didn't advertise on social media or anywhere because we didn't want people to think, oh, well, Blowing Smoke can care less about the pandemic. They're not safe. They're not complying. That wasn't it. So we didn't advertise. It was just a word of mouth thing, especially mm -hmm. during the months where we had to stay within a certain percentage yeah. of capacity. It was just a word of mouth. And then once they started opening up capacity, we really started pushing it in social media. And it is a real thing. I still have people, we have been close since March 1st for this move. Okay. And I have people every Tuesday calling because our, our um, the house phone, I would say, right? The, the lounge phone mm -hmm. goes to my phone mm -hmm. and they're calling asking about karaoke to this day. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, um, I hear you saying that you all are uh, moving. So is there something you are working on now that we should be looking for in the future? Absolutely. Okay. So we are moving. Um, I have not told anyone uh, besides, you know, our circle, obviously my partner, investors, um, anyone dealing with the city setting up permit, those people have to know, right? Contractors. But outside of that, we haven't told anyone where we're going, where okay. we're relocating to. Mm -hmm. um, we have kept that confidential for a couple, a few different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but for us, the move was coming. Um, I think perhaps maybe COVID sped it up. Okay. Again, like I said, a lot of things, you know, that were three to five year goals or, or your five year, you know, um, what, what do you call it? Your five-year five plan, your three-year plan, your five-year plan, you know, you have those things. Um, it might have been sped up because of COVID. And I think because people after COVID just wanted to get out. 
Mm-hmm. They just want to get out. They feel like they were locked up. <laughs> you know, we've right. been in jail. It's like, we want to get out, but to places that we feel safe. And so with that, you know, capacity-wise, we had too many people. Mm-hmm. It was too many, especially on Tuesday. And, you know, that's a Tuesday. We're talking about middle of the week. You have to work tomorrow. <laughs> Tuesday, there is just way too many people. Mm-hmm. And then we start thinking about events, you know, Friday, Saturday, once we have those, a lot of people. So it, I, we thought it, would t- it was time to expand. So we're adding another thousand square feet. Uh, we were a little over 3,000. I think we were 3,100. So we're moving into 4,100. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what I can say is we will have a little space where we can have outside seating. Uh, it's not huge. Um, but there's there's um, an opportunity for us to have outside seating, um, which is good, especially going into the summer. People right. want to enjoy uh, the weather. People love sitting outside as well, you know, enjoying conversations, smoking a cigar over coffee, whatever the case may be. Um, so that's in the plan. Uh, we are probably still inside 60 days, um, you know, out before we actually open the door. Uh, but that's coming. It's just a matter of contractors finishing up and then us doing our part with the with the interior decoration. That's where I come in. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so that's in the work. Uh, you know, also my nonprofit mm-hmm. um, establishing that last year and just really trying to uh, open up accounts and, and just reach out to people and, and promote it to uh, let people know that it's available. Um, offering scholarships is something that I want to be able to do in the next one to three years. Um, I started with my hometown, reaching out and, and letting them know that I wanted to offer a scholarship. And it's been interesting because I haven't gotten a response. Oh. I have not, no, have not gotten a response. And it just makes me think about how many opportunities are there out there for our young people? Um, and maybe adults are dropping the ball on it. Hmm. You know, yeah. the most dropping the ball, you know, kids obviously have to do their due diligence with submitting an essay or whatever the criteria are for, for these, for the monies that are available, but are the adults dropping the ball? And on this one, they are. Wow. Um, but yeah, but just being, putting um, the nonprofit in, in the foundation um, in a position to help assist young people. Cause I was one of those kids that needed that assistance. I talked about that earlier where I didn't have um, and I needed that, that, that assistance. And so I want to be able to offer that to somebody. That's awesome. That's awesome. What is it? Pull somebody up the ladder? What, what, what is it? Reach down and pull them up. Yeah. Reach down and pull them up. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So if you guys haven't read my ebook yet, chapter eight, the subject, the title of chapter eight was actually given to me by Edwina Brown. She said, um, a pivot will cause you to react when you're in pressured situations. I think that it, something like that, but it's it's written better in my book. Okay, so as we get ready to close, what <laughs> what message would you like to leave with people who are afraid to pivot into something different? Mm. You know, and and this is the message I tell myself even now. Um, you know, a lot of times as humans, uh, we don't like change, right? We get comfortable in repetition and, uh, in these particular cycles because we work on a rhythm, right? That's why we have a heartbeat. There's a certain rhythm. And so anything that throws us out of rhythm, imagine your heart being thrown, it's scary. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So you know, a lot of times we don't want to, to pivot and make that change, but sometimes we're forced to. And I think that a lot of times there's nothing wrong with that lesson when you're when you're forced to, but um, change is necessary. Um, it is inevitable and it is necessary. And sometimes, you know, we hear take that leap of faith, mm-hmm. take that leap of faith and, and make that change. But um, I think that anything that is worth talking about three, five, 10, 15 years from now um, requires faith requires change it requires a pivot um so just do it i'm nike in this situation just do it just do it what the heck you know what the heck just 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 you never know where life is taking you mm-hmm. and sometimes it's pulling you sometimes you feel like you're driving but oftentimes it's pulling you uh but shoot i, w- I would just say right now i'm nike nike slogan if i can borrow it just do it just do it just do it don't you know whatever idea you have i think they say the richest people in the world are in the graveyard mm-hmm. right because these ideas we're, we're dying with these ideas and we're not um taking that leap of faith in implementing or or creating these ideas mm-hmm. and who would have thought a small town girl at weta brown who is in love with sport played sport all of her life coach would ever own a cigar lounge not me but when the opportunity fell in my lap and I felt like here's the thing I was helping someone right and that's at my core that's the essence of who I am is to help to give back I went into it to help someone who was in financial distress come out and I fell in love with it and you can't tell me that this was not God's plan. Mm-hmm. You can't. Mm-hmm. And sometimes doing something that is just uh, or inhibition, right? It's natural for you. Will direct your path and help you on that pivot. I love it, man. That was that was some wisdom in that. I I love it so much. So um, let the navigators know how they can connect with you on social media. So I'm all over social media. I can't hide, unfortunately. Um, Instagram and Twitter. I am coach underscore E underscore B. So my initials at Wiener Brown. Coach underscore E underscore B. That's Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook, it's Edwina B Ball Brown. Edwina B Ball Brown on Facebook. I also have a website which is edwinabrown.com. Um, that's pretty much that's the main platforms that I use. I'm also on LinkedIn, Edwina Brown. Okay. Uh, just my name, Edwina Brown. And what if somebody wants to follow the Cigar Lounge page? So Cigar Lounge is blowing smoke cigar lounge.com and the blowing uh, has no G, so it's B-L-O-W-I-N smokecigarlounge.com uh we're also on instagram as such on facebook as such blowing smoke cigar lounge uh and then our twitter is blowing smoke 2155 okay well thank you so much thank you so much for sharing with us and giving us a front seat and a real personal view of your life story and um 
I look forward to what you have coming up in the near future. I'm happy for your success. I celebrate you and I'm just excited. So navigators, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, keep going. Bye-bye. Thank you.